Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello, very warm welcome to episode number 41 of the Balancing Act podcast. This week, I have an incredible guest interview to share with you. I was joined by Galena Singer, who is a coach, a writer and a speaker and all round inspirational woman. I, I'm a huge fan of Galena's work. Um, largely because I'm such a strong advocate of the message that she's promoting around making space for ourselves and um, really for our own, like developing our own identity outside of our role as a mother. And the thing is that when we do this, it not only um, betters like our personal sense of well-being, but ultimately it benefits our role as a mother as well. The The conversation that we had, um, I found like super, super stimulating. And I'm sure that comes across in the liveliness of both our voices. So I would love to know what you think. Um, let me know on Instagram at Debbie Leco or over on the Facebook group, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. And if you would like to get in touch with Galena directly, she shares some of her her links at the end of the episode, which are also in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy and take a lot from this episode. Good morning, Galena, and a very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. It is fabulous to have you here. Um, Thank you, Debbie. For those of you, uh, for those of the listeners who maybe haven't come across you before, um, I just wanted to give a quick introduction um, from my own perspective. I feel like, um, Galena, your, your work is hugely inspiring to me. And I, I particularly love the mission that you're on, which I would describe as like helping us peel back all the layers of societal conditioning, family conditioning that we've become accustomed to so that like we can learn to love ourselves, first of all. And then from that, in turn, learn to love those around us very succinct um description because i probably would go off for for five minutes trying to say the same thing oh dear well maybe on that note then to to start off with you could tell us a little bit more about what life looks like for you just now yeah thank you thank you so much for this opportunity so today I'm a, a writer, a speaker, and a coach, um, and it feels wonderful to say these words first before the fact that I'm also a mother of three children and a wife of 30 plus years. So it used to be that, and I still find that many women introduce themselves first as, well, I'm a mother and I am, you know, actually motherhood really is probably what was always instilled in us as the most important role of our lives. In fact, as I'm getting into my 50s, a lot of my peers 
find it very difficult to understand who we are today because uh, as we no longer can bear children, it really sort of affects, well, who then, you know, fundamentally affects our role as, as women. So that is why one of the things that is very interesting for me today is to allow women to see ourselves as wider than just our role as mothers and even as partners in our families, uh, that we are so much more. And the creative process that is required to have children is not limited to creating life, although that is, of course, in itself an absolutely magical uh, expression of our femininity. There is also so much more that we can create besides mm. bearing children. Uh, we can, you know, we can create businesses and we can change our world and we can impact people, whether it's within our families or in larger in society at large. So that's that's what my life looks like today. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love um, hearing your your message around motherhood there as well because I think that it's like it's unavoidable. You and we wouldn't want it any other way. That motherhood becomes such an important and a key part of our identity. Mm-hmm. But I guess what comes through for me there is like recognizing how everything else fits in with that and. Um, like if we are choosing to make motherhood the center of it, then that that's a conscious choice. And yes, and, and that is beautiful. And of course, my message is by no means anything against. I personally took a huge chunk out of my life to be a stay-at-home mom, as they as they say. So I that was my choice, and at the time, it was very important to me to do just that. To to you know, channel all of my resources into raising my children. However, what I found was the problem. It's probably not a problem. One of the challenges I faced is that it somehow became a limitation. Mm -hmm. And that is what I am a proponent of not doing. How can we revel in our motherhood while also honoring all the other parts of ourselves. And of course, when the children are young, right, babies, so much of our resources, including our physical resources, you know, we produce milk, we, we are there for, for every moment of their development in the beginning. But how can we remain in that larger perspective of who we are? Because what happens, I find, is that we don't evolve as our children evolve. So as the child evolves and needs a little bit less of our, um, uh, not interaction, but maybe involvement, we don't, we, we continue being very involved. And what I find from the perspective of having raised three children on my own, now everybody's out of the house, is that the more we shift with our children, the more we adjust ourselves to our children as they evolve, leaving them space to develop, the more we can be there for them. Once again, we can be better parents when we are more in tune with who we are and more in tune with the fact that children, children's needs shift as they as they evolve and as they age and as they grow and as they develop 
And this is where I find, you know, once again, women who are, who now have teenagers who are actively pushing their mothers away, right? There is that, that rebellion that's happening. Very many women find it very difficult to let go because it feels so drastic. Like here they were, our babies, our lovelies, you know, and suddenly they push us away and the, the change feels so drastic and so painful. Mm. And, and a lot of women find themselves in, in, at a loss as to, well, who am I? And it, it's so painful. It feels like a rejection where, of course, it's not at all. So once again, if we are to, if we can continue being mothers and women in our own right, who else am I? What else is important for me in my life? rather than just nurturing our children, because our children also need mothers who are well-adjusted in every way, right? Who are, who have other interests, who can bring all kinds of other interesting ideas home, who can introduce different kinds of conversations. This is what I'm talking about. Mm. So our motherhood is just one of our superpowers, but not the only one. Does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I relate to that so much. And I think that, um, yeah, to me, it's sort of, it's interesting what you said about with um, babies and toddlers, because I think that even with babies, like I notice with my own sons who are still quite young, you see their their needs changing so quickly over those, you know, even just the first few months and, and, and certainly those first few years. Um, but as you say, it, I think that at that stage, they require so much more of our attention and caring and it establishes a pattern. And mm-hmm. I think after a while, then it becomes like we, yeah, we just lose touch with our own changing needs, just mm-hmm. as you have really eloquently yeah. described. Yeah. And yeah. I can see very much how those those patterns that we establish early on persist and and sometimes we don't you know I guess our natural tendency is to put ourselves last but if that goes on for a long time it's just not it's not a sustainable way of being yes exactly this is this is exactly right because if in the beginning we're still full of hormones and the nesting you know and the and that that symbiosis that occurs between the the newborn and the mother. Sustainably, it's not possible. So to put ourselves last for years and years and decades, as some women do, because especially if there are several children in a row, then you're still in that very, very hands-on, very involved mode of mothering. If you don't start instilling a kind of daily practice or or a um, you know, respecting yourself, starting to put yourself somewhere near the top several points on your list, you you will break down. And this is what I'm witnessing in my work with women. And this is what happened to me, Mm. you know, even, even without going to other people, this is exactly what happened to me. I found myself after giving all of myself to my family, which is exactly what I was taught by my mother and by society at large, I lost myself. It got to the point where I I was depleted, I was apathetic, I was depressed, I didn't really know what my purpose was anymore. I lost something, I lost connection to myself. And this is so many women who come to me 
you know, that's what they keep on repeating is like, I feel disconnected from something really, really essential about myself. So this, so this is one thing that I wanted to say. And another thing that I wanted to introduce at this moment, as you were speaking, um, we also don't realize the latest neuroscientific research points us to the fact that it's not the food on the table and the roof over the head, which is so important for secure attachment and well, you know, wellness development of our children. It's actually emotional attunement between the caregivers and the babies. So, you know, because for example, in my case, my mother, my parents were very diligent parents. I had the roof above my head. I had food on the table, no matter what was going on in their lives, you know, I've changed several countries. Still, the, the basic needs were there. And yet, as I grew up and now doing this research of deconditioning, I understood that something much more important was missing. And that was that my parents were not emotionally attuned to me or my sister because they weren't emotionally attuned to themselves, because they were stressed out and frazzled, putting themselves last. Mm -hmm. and trying to provide for the family. And there is no blame, of course, right? This is just how it is. And this is how so many people live. But it's interesting to understand that this piece of information that our psychic, psycho-emotional well-being comes from actual attunement, it, it really sends a huge ripple of uh, disruption into the way we nurture our children. Because so many people, you know, think that, oh, if I could only buy a bit larger house so that everybody has their own bedroom and we have more food on the table or maybe more vacation, you know, we, we're so stressed in pursuit of achievement, telling ourselves that our children will benefit from it. But actually, then we, we disconnect more and more from our children because there is less time for quality time. Mm-hmm. And the same thing to come to bring it back to our the way we're mother, a mother who is frazzled, who is, you know, exhausted from three babies um, or however many babies, you know, hasn't slept really properly, hasn't really properly organized health, et cetera, et cetera. She will not be there for emotional attunement of her children. She will not notice that each child has completely different needs. And I know what I'm talking about. I have twins among my three. (laughs) And even the twins were completely different people and required very different approach. Mm. For a long time, I didn't say I just bunched them together as twins and everybody was getting sort of the same food, attention, schooling, etc. So it takes enormous amount of presence in order to really be an attentive parent and in order for us to give that attention to others we need to know what that is in in our relationship with ourselves Mm. what does that mean to be attentive right I just love this conversation so much it's one that like I feel so so passionate about and I think that you know I guess like yourself a lot of it comes from my own experience as well because um I never anticipated like the emotional roller coaster that mm-hmm. comes with parenting. Like I think quite honestly took me really by surprise right. like, to a very big extent, because I think that 
like so much emphasis is is put on all the stuff as you say all the material mm-hmm. things you know getting the right cot or the right mm-hmm. pram and mm-hmm. as you say then as kids get older you know having enough space and all of that whereas I feel like this conversation that we're having now it's not like it, it was certainly whenever like you know when my my kids were born it wasn't a common conversation in fact mm-hmm. almost a non-existent right conversation right. yeah and I think it's one that's so so difficult because um I guess everyone you know like our parents everyone they were all doing the like the very best that they could and coming from this place of love and everybody's working with the tools that that they know how to Exactly. But it's then shifting that, um, shifting the conversation, but doing so in this really compassionate way, which is why I really love like what you're bringing to it, because it really feels like like Thank it's you. coming from that place of like love and compassion and understanding. Yeah, well, thank you. And I'm glad that it does come across that way. It took me very many years to get to the place of compassion <laughs> because I'll be completely honest, you know, in the beginning, I felt a lot of anger. I felt a lot of anger toward my own mother, not in how she was raising me because I know that she did her best, just like what we just said, but in the, in the, in the way she trained me, in quotes, to be a mother. It was that kind of overzealous, uh, at the exclusion of all else, mothering, which today I know is more of compensatory rather than actually in response to the needs that my children had now. And this is where my favorite theme, I'm going to introduce my favorite theme because we don't realize to what extent we carry the burdens of our own mothers. For example, you know, my grandmother went through the Second World War living in, in Eastern Europe. So all the all that that represented, not enough food, the children that were lost and, you know, all the suffering that went with it. I was raised with these stories. Of course, my mother was, for her love language, it was very much through food, besides the fact that we're also Russian and that's part of our culture. But there was a lot of emphasis on food. And I was a child who really didn't require much food. And there were constant power struggles around food that then I started noticing myself passing on to my children. Mm. So I wasn't there actually listening and understanding what their needs were at that time, what their capacities were to consume or what their preferences were simply. You know, like this one doesn't like milk like that. This one doesn't like cheese and this one doesn't like watermelon. It was absurd to me. I was like, what do you mean? How can you not, you know, how can you, everybody likes water, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So because I was still coming from that ancestral baggage of, oh my God, these children need to eat because there won't be enough food or they hadn't been enough food. And we don't realize to what extent we bring into our mothering old archaic um, wounds that are that have nothing to do with the actual experience our children are living. Yes, 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 yes. I'm like, I think it's funny because often in those, so for example, the scenario that you've just described, I think often we think, oh, like I'll never do that. I'll never, right. I'll never do that thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yet when we're then in this place where our stress levels generally are high, which, you know, mm-hmm. in modern life and particularly yeah. in the last couple of years, like that base yeah. level of yeah. stress is quite yeah. high. Then like we default back to what yeah. is normal to us because, you know, that's like a very natural, it's a natural human strategy just to, to default to what you know, because that response doesn't cause any more like stress to you because it's even if it's not a healthy pattern it's one that you know it's the one you know. well it's 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 good you you use the word normal which I always put in quotes these days because <laughs> right because what is normal normal. <laughs> normal is like you say normal to us is our default setting exactly like you said because our default setting is what we originally were shaped as or have come to, as our consciousness was being formed as we were raised by the parents and in the family and culture in which we were raised that becomes the first imprint of what is normal so when we're stressed like you say all the more rational thinking is goes out the window and we're going to the coping mechanism and the coping mechanism the default setting is more from fear or worry and and we sort of channel the same that we've seen our mothers do mm-hmm. and that like you say and it's really really funny and I laugh and cry a lot with about this with my clients because all of us who said I will never do it like my mother did it we then catch ourselves several years <laughs> later saying oh my god I'm doing it you know so because and and it's right because it's no longer conscious when we get stressed we go into the coping mechanism right we go into the stress cycle and then the original imprint of behavior comes through yes so that is why once again how can we be there how can we give ourselves tools to manage our nervous system to know how to regulate ourselves because of course children before uh, before their nervous system is formed they rely on us to be regulated that's why when we have the temper tantrums that's that's the child displaying the nervous system in overwhelm and they don't have yet the tools to to process the stress most of most of grown-ups don't have the tools to process the stress either we just you know we just have a drink or we go and and we escape in other ways so a mother who takes time for herself to regulate her nervous system to attend to her own well-being can show up in a different way she can be that the the the, the skeleton, if you want, for the whole family. She is the one who really does uphold the family energy, right? So mm-hmm. if a mother is well-regulated, she knows when to take a breath instead of knee-jerk reaction, she can then create the background energy within the house that is much more peaceful. And, and this is actually where some of my work centers now is how can we clean and regulate ourselves so that because children what many of us don't understand is children read our energy beyond language so a mother who is well regulated it almost doesn't matter if you're smiling or what you're saying the child will sense what you what you're feeling 
So that is why self-care in my world is absolutely number one thing because you can say it, you can smile to your child, but if you are harboring frustration or fear, or if they're relating issues within the family, the child will be picking up on that. So no matter how you try to pretend that everything is okay, children pick up on the energy. And that is why, once again, self-care, self-care, self-care. Yes. And self-care as like a long-term, like necessary, vital need, not like the bubble bath whenever you're already. Yes. Right. I mean, and you know what? It's, yeah, the bubble bath just drives me crazy because I feel like it's a goat, you know, self-care. And you see an ad with the with the bubble bath but and you know what bubble baths are actually or just baths or any immersion in water is actually an incredibly powerful tool Mm. to soothe our nervous system but it's not the only tool and it's not and there are plenty of others basically because we don't you know busy moms may not always have 15 minutes for a nice soak in a bath but we have a a minute to take three deep breaths Mm -hmm. and count you know Four counts in, four counts, hold the breath, and four counts, hold, exhale. Yes. So, and and like you say, it's really, really important. It's not only long-term, it's lifelong. It's lifelong because yes. as children grow, their needs will be different. And also the stakes are different when they visit, you know, we say little children, little problems, big children, big problems. It's, it, as children go off on their own into the world, we will have all kinds of fears. So that ability to manage, once again, our own nervous system so that we allow our children the experiences that they've come here to have. Yeah. And also, I think in that, um, like, I think it's so powerful to be able to model to our children what Mm -hmm. true self-care looks like, because, you know, showing them that if it's okay for us, then it's okay for them as well you know they're seeing that all the time I think as well so um I'd really like to share what to me was a very tangible example of Mm -hmm. what you've just talked about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and something that I've only recognized in hindsight so Mm -hmm. I mentioned that previously I worked in in the corporate world and you know I so the job was so great in so many ways and I, I really really appreciate the experience like it does not feel like a bad experience in any mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. but it was very sedent- it was a very sedentary job um, and that's not my natural like way of being like I like activity and movement mm-hmm. and my son was a toddler with very big emotions you know like to express his big emotions and typically that happened at the end of the day that like the one hour before dinner time so you know I'd go and pick him up from nursery I was tired out and he was tired from a day of nursery everybody was hungry and I think what I hadn't picked up on was that there was so much about this like the structure of the corporate environment that was like stressful Mm -hmm. for me and not in some like big huge way it was just like I generally find it just a stressful environment because mm-hmm. I felt like I was always presenting yeah. a front like I was having to put in so much energy just yeah. to like 
be there and like you to know, give to, their appearances really. yes and like to give a presentation and, and yeah. that sort of thing and I never realized how much all of that stress was sort of building up and mm. um, but what it, what it meant was then at the end of the day you know my son was tired had a tantrum understandably so it was like it was really difficult for me to be there for him like I I, I was but it took like everything that I had right. to like stay calm in that moment. Yeah. Whereas now when I work in work that feels energizing to me, feels very aligned with my values, feels mm-hmm. like, you know, my purpose and my calling mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much easier. You know, I don't, I'm not saying I get it right all the time. I definitely don't. <laughs> it's all a learning curve, isn't it? Of course. But like, I'm so much more able to be in that like centered place for him and this is why I feel so passionate about your message because it's I guess similar a bit you know similar to my own as well but it's that well-rounded approach where I think that sometimes we see like career and purpose as as detached from our role of motherhood actually like it's all so interlinked absolutely having the fulfillment in one area really spills over Mm. into other areas of your life as well yeah I really love that absolutely and I think that it's about nurturing self so that we can then nurture others and Mm -hmm. it's this is something that I'm really really delving in now in my own personal work is what are our sources of nourishment and you know, we, we're used to it being either food or we get love. We think that we get all this from other people. And this is where, once again, so many, so many mothers get flustered and lost when their children become teenagers because there is that process of individuation. Our children need that space to form into individuals. And a lot of mothers feel that that's a rejection. Mm. So a lot of my work stems from how else can we self-nourish? Where is the source of that energy that, you know, we think we get it from others, but it's actually not the the fact we are self-sourcing. Love is our own state of being in response, yes, to what, you know, our certain interactions, beautiful conversations, and, you know, an embrace with a loved one. Yes, all that is what creates um, these feelings in us, but we don't realize to what extent we are actually self-sufficient in that. And especially once again, like you say, when children rely on us, uh, especially when they're young, when they rely on us to help them regulate, a, a woman, a mother who is well-nourished and self-sourced from other, from many different she ate well, she rested well, she did work or, or something in the world that, that nourishes her as well. She feels validated, she feels purposeful. She comes home with a completely different energy and can give from that place of abundance. Mm-hmm. And not reluctantly, because this is, you know, I found myself often frazzled and in resentment toward the end of my mothering of my children when they still lived at home because I was giving on empty. And this is, you know, once again, that piece, well, what can we do to give from overflow? How can we be responsible for our own self-nourishment? 
lots of women think that, oh, you know, the, my partner should have done this and that. And yes, there is a lot to be said about communication and setting certain, you know, being clear about expectations, etc. But ultimately, each one of us is responsible for our own well-being, whatever that means to each one. Yeah. And I think that um, so there's so much in that that I think that it's sort of like that's what the societal message is this this idea of like the frazzled mm-hmm. mom is like like that's a badge again, of the air honor. Quotes, the, yes and I was gonna say the norm I was using my air the quotes, normal, the normal yeah. again because I think that like so many mums maybe even recognize that they're in that place but don't know what the alternative mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. in mainstream societal message like there isn't an alternative that's just yeah. that's just the way it is um, yeah and also uh, this is a great point actually because when i do speak about you know self care and self sourcing a lot of women respond well i feel guilty taking the time out there is that as well we feel that like you said there is some kind of a standard that a mother who's well rested and smiley there's something wrong with her. She's a fake or she's not a good mother. I think that also, what does that mean to be a good mother, right? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Um, and I think there is an enormous amount of criticism and judgment that we've internalized from society that we are now doing to ourselves. A yeah. lot of women just don't dare to take time for themselves because they feel guilty. Yeah, um, And that's not normal. <laughs> That's not normal because who is going to take care of our bodies if if we don't? It's too much to ask of others, right? It's not, it's certainly not up to our children to be there to say, Mom, you look tired, go take a rest, you know, or or (laughs) our partners to say, Oh, darling, you look exhausted. Here, let me take over for the next 24 hours. That'll never happen. If we wait for this, it'll never happen. So what what I am finding is much more um, productive and and constructive is to say, you know, to have a conversation with our partners and say, listen, you know, I'm going to take the next 24 hours or in two weeks, there is a weekend that I'm going to go away with friends and I'll be happy to provide you that courtesy, you know, two weeks later. This way, there is that give and take. You you feel like you're on on the same team rather than enemies because this is what what's happening we become enemies when we become frazzled mm-hmm. and resentful suddenly we're not on the team suddenly we're against them and they're holding us hostage because we're exhausted so how can we have the agency step into that agency to defend and and protect not even defend because it's not you know it's not a war but sort of to have firmly established boundaries of this is what I need for me. I understand that you'll have to pick up the slack and I'll be happy to do that for you. But to understand that, you know, we all need these breaks, that it's natural, not to say normal, <laughs> it is normal and natural for us to need to regenerate. And then we come back and we're better partners, better parents. Yes. And I love it because I think that the very first stage in that is us being able to recognize yeah. what we need. Right. And, and then we're more able yeah. to, ask to communicate. For it. 
Yeah. Yes. When we own that desire, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, we deny, we deny when, when women are not conditioned to even pay attention to their needs. Let it not be number one on your list. Let it be number two. Mm. Yeah. Number three, somewhere <laughs> on the top yeah. of your list, because, you know. Um, but of course, I always say you, we need to understand that we are the main character in our life story. That the way we are able to command center stage will dictate how we show up for all of our other relationships. So true. And I feel like those are such beautiful words to, to end on as well, because that's such a powerful message to get across. Yeah. 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 We're responsible for our own well-being, right? We cannot put that kind of burden or responsibility on anyone else. It's it's first of all, it's not fair. And second of all, it's just not possible. Mm. So we are the ones who who need to be at that attunement with our first ourselves first. Um, so we can then be that for others who rely on us for it. Because other people can't read our mind, can they? No matter how well they might know us. Exactly. They can't read our mind. And they exactly. don't know what's going on in there. And exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love it, Galena. Thank you so much. So um, maybe just to finish, you could share how people can, can find you online or elsewhere. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Yes, I am I am on Instagram as Galena Singer and I'm on Facebook as Galena Singer or Wake Up with Galena Singer, which is my professional page. But I also have a website, www.galenasinger.com, very simply. Uh, And all the information is there about me, contact me and about my coaching and writing and speaking. So fantastic. Thank you. you. Um, I shall share those in the show notes as well, if anybody would like to reference them there. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I've loved this conversation. It's felt really, really good. And yeah, I'm so excited to share it. Wonderful. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, Galena. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.